Jamie Lewis, and this is Consumed, a podcast where eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers can get real. Thanks for joining me. Consumed is sponsored in part by Slow Life magazine. Over the past several years, I've written the food column for Slow Life, and I've covered many, many different restaurants and dishes here in Slow County. Some of my favorite subjects have been fried chicken, educational dining, and I even recently wrote about the free bread at three different local eateries. Slow Life is much more, though, so get your hands on a copy every other month. To find out how, visit slowlifemagazine.com. Today, I spoke with Captain Mark Tognazzini, a commercial fisherman out of Morro Bay who's been on the ocean for over 40 years. Captain Mark actually grew up here, one of 10 children in a family descended from Swiss-Italian immigrants, like so many who established California's Central Coast. Living near the ocean, he caught the fishing bug at a young age and followed a career path into commercial fishing. Later, he built a direct-to-consumer fish market and two seafood restaurants as well. But none of it happened easily or automatically. Here, Captain Mark shares what the term pinhead and deadhead mean— He tells why most fishermen never bring a banana on their boat, and he tells his scariest seafaring stories, and oh my goodness, are they spooky. You definitely don't want to miss those. Don't tell my other guests, but this was one of my favorite conversations yet. Here's Captain Mark Tognazzini. Captain Mark, you're so brave to come to my house. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, when I emailed you, I was... It was actually pretty moving when I said, hey, would you ever consider coming on? Because I interviewed you way back when um, for Central Coast Magazine, which is quite a while ago. A long time ago. Um, And you said that you would be honored and humbled, and that honored and humbled me. I mean, it's just (laughs) so interesting that you would be willing to come and do this. Yeah, well, uh, who doesn't like to talk about themselves? Well, actually, I find that very much to be true. (laughs) It's true. Well, I think people want to feel heard. Sure. So everybody gets a chance to do it. Absolutely. I only know a tiny bit about you. Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Morro Bay, California. Okay. Uh, I, I went to Morro Elementary. I went to Mission uh, for a while. Then I went back out to Morro Bay and uh, graduated Morro Bay High School. Went to Cuesta for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fishing bug kind of got in my uh, got me. And I, I ended up going fishing instead of going to school. And hmm. uh, it worked out okay. Yeah. yeah. And you, I know that you grew up in a large family. Large family, yeah. I have uh, seven brothers and sisters. My my mom actually had 10 live birds, uh, mm-hmm. but there are eight of us uh, survived adulthood, and there are seven of us left, and most all of us are in the county. Yeah. Uh, wow. So, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was interesting and fun. Yeah. Uh, and my, my mom uh, uh, would tell you that we were all different, too. Yeah. So Where do you uh, fall in that lineup? I, right in the middle. I'm, okay. I'm fifth down, so I'm kind of right in the middle. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a, uh, it was it was good times. So, uh, real close to uh, five of my brothers and sisters, and mm-hmm. a little more distant from the others. Uh, uh, we've all taken different career paths. Oh, so nobody so. <laughs> nobody's fishing with you? No, and, and oh, no, 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 not at all. And and no, and, you know, there's no, my, my dad was a retired educator, actually superintendent of schools in Morro Bay when it was Morro Ele- Morro Union Elementary. So I'm first generation, actually. Uh, okay, wait. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. First of all, Morro Bay did it have its own um, yeah, school before, district? It did before it was San Luis Unified. It oh was Morro gosh. Union Elementary, and then uh, PG&E came about and tremendous tax base, and uh, and there was a vote and things changed, and it and, was absorbed, and it was absorbed absolutely, mm. and so it became San Luis Unified uh, uh, School District then. I always so, yeah. wondered why it, we creep up the coast with our school district. Right, That's so do. interesting. Well, yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, 
a lot of times it is about tax base and things like that. Yeah. So, and at the time it was about tax base and, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, my, that's where my dad, my dad, uh, uh, a retired educator, and, and he they had a little shop in San Luis. He kind of got out of the uh, teaching business, uh, the administration part of the teaching business. He he, he really that didn't wasn't like his thing. I've heard that more <laughs> than once. Yeah, and so he got out of uh, teaching for about eight or ten years. And they had a little place here in San Luis called Togs Party Center. It was kind of like a hallmark shop. Yeah, and uh, then he went back into teaching as a teacher again. Got cool. out of it, and he loved it, and and he mm-hmm. uh, retired out of teaching. He actually ended up in Paso Robles oh, uh, teaching uh, uh, Spanish and. Oh, he's a, a Spanish teacher. Yeah, yeah, but he was a you know he educated he, he taught a little bit of everything. Yeah, he actually started his first uh, teaching job was in Monterey, California, actually teaching uh, students of fishermen. No well, way, that is and true. there's no yeah. real connection. Then there's no between no that connection. That's just that's where he that's where his first teaching job was in Monterey, wow. California. So wait a minute. So, yeah. so your dad, what year was he born? Uh, he was born uh, eighteen. Okay, so then he walked through like the Steinbeck years. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. He and he lived to be ninety-five. He, he yeah. just passed away five, six years ago. Oh, Mom wow. lived to be ninety-two, so uh, I don't know if I've lived as good as life as they lived. <laughs> I'll sign a contract for ninety-five, you know, yeah, and, and really. be as as alert and and uh, on top of things right to the end as he was. Yeah. Uh, so. So that's kind of recent. Yeah. Has that been hard? Uh, no, it's been pretty. You know, he he lived a great life. Mom too at ninety-two. They have a. Uh, it's not long fishing, but they had a, a great love story. Married 74 years. Oh uh, Mom gosh. was in uh, Alzheimer's care for the last year of her, her life. Mm-hmm. And uh, dad passed away before she did. And I don't know if she ever comprehended that dad had passed. Yeah. And then, uh, then she passed away in her sleep about six months after dad passed. Mm. And so neither one of them ever had to suffer. Really, I don't think of that, that, that separation, that 74 years of marriage, that bond. So okay. it's kind of a cool, uh, I mean, if... I'd sign that contract too, probably. Totally. Yeah. As those so, things go, that yeah. would be, yeah. For sure. That's amazing. So did mom have a job outside the nope, home? Nope. Okay. Well, B- busy. she's got a, what am I saying? <laughs> busy raising a bunch of kids, yeah. 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 Wow. Um, and busy so raising, raising you were right in the middle. Right but, in the middle, yeah. But nobody else is in the fishing industry. So no. how did that happen for uh, you? It, it just... Uh, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I, my, at 15 and a half, I started washing dishes at a place called Port Morrow in Morrow Bay. Mm. Um, it's uh, now called the Coffee uh, Coffee Pot, uh, but it was Port Morrow when I worked there. Uh, it was owned by a, a, a group of businessmen and, uh, and who had bought it from a, a family named Breb. It was a Breb's family, so a very long-time family in, in Morrow Bay. And so I started washing dishes there at 15 and a half, and uh, in the summer, they moved me out into their fish market. Uh, so when I turned 16, I moved, was moved out to the fish market where they, I was a clerk uh, selling, you know, fish like a butcher and like and they, slinging they, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and, okay. and and they taught me how to fillet mm-hmm. and all the things that kind of got me the, the the roots in the fishing business. Uh, and then I started uh, deadheading on. Uh, they had a, a several party boats there, passenger carrying fishing boats, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I started riding. You could ride for, uh, as a ploy there. You could ride for free as long as you helped them clean the boat in the day or filleted fish or uh, mm-hmm. they call it pinheads or deadheads. And so I, I kind of got doing that. And uh, Wait, sorry. Uh, what does pinhead mean? A pin, a pinhead is a, <laughs> uh, typically a non-paid crew member. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's actually, so a pinhead, a pinhead actually is a, a very tiny anchovy. An anchovy that is so small, oh. it doesn't go on a hook. It's that tiny. Uh, so, but it's a nickname that they, uh, young crew members that are non-paid, you know, like kids yeah. uh, are often called pinheads. Okay. So, yeah. And what's no. a deadhead? Uh, d- just someone who doesn't pay. Okay. It could be an older, an older person. Uh, it could be, a deadhead could be 20, 30, 40 years old, but a pinhead typically refers to a, a younger, little guy. Yeah, 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 young, 
uh, uh, novice okay. in the business, for sure. I'm so, glad I asked, because yeah. that's hilarious. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so you're going out on these... Um, yeah, so it's yeah. just started Just started uh, going on the boats, got uh, enjoyed it. It was kind of a... Um, I was very active in sports in high school, so it was a very... Uh, uh, y- you could work weekends on the boats because I got so I started so back up just a little bit. So mm-hmm. after that summer, uh, the uh, I started working uh, down at Verge's Landing for Verge Moore, actually the the, uh, the owner and the originator of Verge's Landing, Virgil Moore. Where is that? <laughs> I know I'm supposed <laughs> so to know. It's on the Barket Arrow. It's okay. down by where our business is now. Okay. Uh, it's changed now. It's called Moore Bay Sport Fishing. Uh, oh. But uh, so Verge Moore was uh, he he was a weekend warrior. Uh, he owned the business and he would only run overflow. He had a lot of other boats and a lot of other operators. But then as a a, a young guy going to school, going to Morbay High School, uh, I was uh, kind of a weekend warrior too. And so I often got paired up with Verge uh, to do overflow. So I, I was kind of his deckhand on, on the weekends. And then the summertime, uh, it, uh, you could work quite a bit too. And there was mm-hmm. um, it was a it was a well paying job. Uh, a lot of cash, you know, because of filleting fish and things like that. Especially in uh, high school, yeah. I would especially imagine. in high school, yeah. uh, uh, there was uh, out of my graduating class. There's five or six of us uh, still in the, in the business that wow. were all kind of doing it at the same time. Uh, uh, it was a uh, it, it was a, a a good start, and then uh, I, I graduated. Uh, I went to uh, Argentina as, as a foreign exchange student for three months on a set summer program really? through AFS. I don't even know if AFS American Field uh, Service is still. In existence, but they had a summer. They had a yearly program and a summer program. And after I graduated, I went to three months in Argentina. And then when I came back, I uh, I attempted to be a, a good student at Cuesta. Mm. And I, I but the fishing bug had, had bit me. And uh, it's really tough to fish and do anything else uh, yeah. because you you know you're gone early in the morning. Often you don't know when you're going to be back in the afternoon and things like that. And uh, so I started. Uh, uh, being more active and got involved with a, uh, got hired by another gentleman who, who uh, I spent three years with and uh, got in the sport boat business mostly. And, and, and a lot of commercial guys start out in the sport business uh, because uh, you can start out as a pinhead and you kind of mm-hmm. work up uh, your way up through the line. So, so I started as a sport fisherman and I, I ended up going to uh, Crawford Nautical Academy up in San Francisco and mm. got a, a hundred ton master's license. And came back and started running party boats. Did you say hundred ton? Yeah, it's a hundred ton master license. So they uh, they have different grades. It's not a very big license. Uh, they have uh, the United States Coast Guard to take passengers for hire. You have to be licensed. Mm. Uh, and they have uh, they have a six pack. They have twenty five ton, a fifty ton, a hundred ton, and it goes all the way up to you know. Uh, unlimited master, which would be you know mm. guys who runs cruise ships and things like that. Right. And it's all right. it's all based around. Uh, I mean, you have to test, but it's all about sea time too. You have to have x amount of days of sea time before you can even sit for a license. So, mm. for an example, my hundred ton masters, it was seven hundred thirty days of sea time mm. before I could even sit for that. So that's a lot of days. It's a lot of days. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot of days. But that's they want you. To, they want you to be experienced because uh, you are taking people out and right. putting their life at, at risk. You know. Yeah. So and we, we've seen that recently, even in. You know, uh, down mm-hmm. in Santa Barbara. So it's it's a it's right. a it's oh a yeah. So that, that, so lose. guys are all licensed, uh, uh, um, and the Coast Guard has quite a, a really good program uh, that, oh, that sure. monitors that whole thing. So, but nothing's I, perfect. I'm just being reminded that the what happened in Santa Barbara. Things yeah. are moving so fast right now. The yeah. news is so chock full of stuff that I had forgotten that even yeah. happened. It's, it's such a, a very shame. A real tragic accent yeah. uh we can only hope that some really good i'm not a big regulation kind of guy but some mm-hmm. uh, we hope some good regulations come out of that and yeah. and uh uh it was you know just uh you know god works in strange ways sometimes i, I hope there are all those people are at peace yeah and i feel right. for the uh, the pe- people they left behind you know oh, and you know it's yeah. interesting i remember when the um uh in galita or i'm sorry in isla vista i remember when there was a 
a young man who was uh, just really upset, angry with life, and drove his car into a pedestrian walkway oh, maybe no. six years ago, something like that. Here it is right in our backyard, or say the shooting at the club in um, Thousand Oaks, and I just... I forget how close that oh, is. Absolutely, yeah. landslides in Montecito, fires. Oh, fires yeah. We've been very, very yeah, lucky yeah, here. Yeah. You got to be a little lucky in life. Yeah. yeah. So no doubt about it. Um. So I, you said something about Argentina, which I'm super curious yeah. about. What made you decide to go there? I just, uh, um, I just applied for the uh, AFS program. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Julie Larson, who was one of my advisors in high school, uh, she was also advisor of leadership class and. Uh, we'd always kidded about it and stuff like that. And, and I wasn't uh, the typical foreign exchange student. I was yeah. quite a bit different. And she said, well, you should, you should apply, apply. And so I did, and, and I got accepted for the, just a summer program, just three yeah. months. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. I had a, a great time. I had a, a brother who had spent a year in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. uh, a, a brother meaning not a real brother, but my, 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 my AFS brother, because I, I live with his family. But he was in New Hampshire when I first got there, and then he returned from New Hampshire. He'd spent a year in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And so he came back. He was fluent in English by then. And then uh, I was supposed to be going to school there, but we spent more time hitchhiking around the country. And Oh, man. And, and and have a, we had a great time. When he came back, it was uh, we, we saw Argentina, how a person should see Argentina as a 18, 19 year old kids hitchhiking uh, all around the country. It was uh, I, it was a it was a great experience. School sh- was a little too structured for me down there, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it shaped you too. Oh, it was fun. It Those was, early, it was, it, especially yeah. as an 18 year old yeah. going abroad. Yeah, we we, we just had a great time. So yeah, yeah. yeah it was, are you still in touch with that guy? No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I should be. Uh, uh, we're all old now, and and uh, wow. you know our lives take. Different paths, I guess. I, yeah. I should be. It's my fault. And and if he's listening, I apologize. We'll find him. We'll find this man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, so you ended up um, going to Cuesta, and what were you thinking you'd study there? I didn't know. I just... Just uh, get the yeah, education. General education and stuff. It kind of was expected. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about playing football there. They still had a football program at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, and I was thinking about doing that. And stuff. I just... But I, I got the, the fishing bug, and... and uh, and started doing it. Uh, I, I kind of slipped away from the fishing for a little while. I, I worked for a, 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 a landscaper excavator over in Los Angeles for a little while. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the, the funny part about that was one day, you know, it was so windy in Los Angeles in the spring. Yeah, uh, so and I was, I was on a little, uh, uh, like a little tractor, uh, pushing some sand around. Uh, and I, I don't know, I was probably 18 and a half or 19 by then. And, uh, and, and I got off the tractor. This is a true story. Uh, <laughs> just pitted by the sand. And I went to my mom and dad and I borrowed $500. And that's when I, I went up to Crawford Nautical Academy. It's kind of a, mm. it's kind of a contractor school where you go, they have a 28 day cycle where you go through it and, and you, you pay so much money and you go through the cycle and then you're ready to test. And mm. it's a quite a bit different how they do it now, but, uh, uh, that's what I did. I, I, I remember the 500 bucks. I remember, uh, uh, I remember the room I stayed in Point Richmond was $90. Uh, for the month, I wrote Bart. I wore, <laughs> for, the month. I, for the month, this is true. It was right above a biker bar. This is true. Uh, uh, I rode Bart across uh, to the city each day because the uh, the school was in the ferry building, right on the waterfront. Oh, cool. Uh, school was two fifty, so mine and rent was uh, ninety. So I rode Bart. Um, and uh, I lost 28 pounds in 28 days. I ate a, this is true, I ate a hot dog sandwich and a peanut butter sandwich and a glass of milk. That's all I had each day. Because oh, I was on real limited funds and I was, sure. was going to go get my license. And so, uh, uh, so anyhow, at the end of 28 days, I tested and, and, and uh, scored. You have to have mostly 90% on everything. And it's really, uh, it's, it's pretty intense. And so anyhow, I tested yeah. and got my license and came home and, 
And uh, I remember going, there was a little deli underneath where I stayed, and I had enough money for gas money and uh, a six-pack of Coors and a salami and some cheese, and my stomach had shrunk up so much that I could only drink like one beer and eat a little piece of salami. <laughs> Here's your big celebration, and you can't even do it. Yeah, and that's, that's true, and I came home, and, uh, uh, and then I started uh, working for a guy named Ralph Gunther who had Bob Seafood. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a book called The Shirley, and I started running The Shirley for him, and then it kind of evolved from there. It's so funny so, that... Uh, what we can get by on oh, yeah. at that age. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can yeah. think of lots of <laughs> top ramen days. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, yeah um, mooching off my roommates uh, for yeah. mac and cheese and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, but, for sure. Yeah. And also just the gumption to go and say, yeah. like, here, you're unhappy on this tractor, and it's like, oh, no. Yeah. yeah, this is, yeah. And I had the time in, and, and it was really, a, you know, it was a career I, I, I wanted to pursue. Uh, you, you know, um, was it the right decision in my life? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll never know. Someday I hope I know. I, I've mm. enjoyed it. Uh, there's times I haven't enjoyed it, but it's like everybody's job. There, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, uh, you know, when the wind blows and the fish don't bite, it's not a very fun thing to do for a living, mm. to be honest with you. But when the weather's flat and the fish cooperate and the price is good and and uh, and and you're catching, it's it's uh, it's pretty rewarding. So, yeah, so. I know at one point that you, uh, I know that you have um, worked on a lot of different boats. Oh yeah. Especially when I was younger, not so much uh, since about eighty-one, but uh, okay. in, my, in the very beginning, yeah. You, and you just do, yeah. You just rotate from one it, to the next, exactly, and, and do relief work and things like that, yeah. But now, well, so at some point though, you decided to build your own. Yeah, so uh, so I, I actually partnered up with a guy named Bob Hiddle, who's an oncologist here in, in San Luis Obispo at the time, and we built two different boats. Uh, and started a landing called Hiddles Landing, and I was active with him for a couple of years. And then in uh, 81, uh, my brother-in-law, Ralph Fiala, um, uh, wanted to uh, invest some money, and so I had some experience, and he had some money, and so we had a, the, the Bonnie Marietta, which is the boat I, I pilot to this day. Mm-hmm. We had it built in 1981 down in Channel Islands Harbor, wow. uh, and I'm the only guy who's ever driven the boat, and, and I would hmm. be the only guy, and it, it's, a, it's a beautiful, uh, very class act boat, uh, uh, probably top ten percent of its class on the West Coast. What is its, it's class? It, it, it's for it's a thirty-eight foot commercial troll, troller, okay. but it's just you know we've uh, kept it, it just in, you, you wouldn't know it's almost forty years old. You you think mm-hmm. it's a five or six year old boat, yeah. and uh, uh, we keep it really nice and and uh, and, and Ralph. And then about t- ten years into it, I, I bought my partner out, and so it became my sole boat, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I still it's the same boat. So eighty-one on, I've done I've helped. A little bit here and there on other boats, uh, but overall, it's just been the Bonnie Marietta and me, and and uh, and, and and I'm glad. And it's it's a uh, it's been a uh, interesting adventure. You know, An it's, investment it's, that's paid off. It hopefully. has. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's you know in the very beginning it, it was it was tough. You know, uh, we'd signed a note that was uh, prime plus two and a quarter. It was during the Regan years, oh, and so like we're paying like twenty three percent on our holy note. cow. So at, at twenty three, twenty four years old, I had you know eighteen hundred dollar month boat payments and six hundred dollar month. Insurance pay. It was. It was. It was. I was gone all the time. I bet you. <laughs> I was were. gone all the time. It was pretty scary inten- as a young yeah, man. Yeah, too. It, it was intense. Uh, uh, it was intense. It just. But but things got better. Interest rates came down. We renegotiated the loan, and and uh, I bought my partner out, and uh, and we've had some real lean years. There's some years. I mean, it's like farming. Mm-hmm. You know, you have years that uh, are extremely lean, but you, you hope that you're able to prepare for those years that are lean uh, with good years. And, and then I've been real blessed. I've had some phenomenal years uh, mm-hmm. that you just wanted. You know, this last year was a perfect example. The salmon fishing outside of Morro Bay was as, as good as uh, I've probably seen it in, in my career. Really? Uh, with a big price and stuff. And so it was uh, and it was nice to be old and still be able to catch. So That's awesome. Do you have any yeah. idea how much you brought in? Yeah, I, I caught a little over 1,100 salmon for the year. Wow. Right? All, and, and there wasn't a day 
that when it was clear that I couldn't see more rock the entire time. I didn't, and usually you have to travel. You yeah. know, you go up and down the coast, Monterey, San Francisco, uh, wherever we have to go. But th- this year, I, I had a little over 1,100 uh, king salmon right right in front of Morro Bay, uh, and, and, I, and I never could not see the rock unless when it was foggy. How wonderful you it didn't was, have to go too oh, far. Oh, it was wonderful. It was, it, was, it was just one of those years you just can't. Uh, and, and it was just nice to, before my career was over to have a year like that, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. So. Um, the name of your, is it is it bad luck it, to talk about? No, no. So the name, There's something with, with the, the, the name, uh, Bonnie Marietta. So it's named after my ex-wife, oh, okay. uh, Bonnie, uh, mm-hmm. and my sister. So my brother-in-law, who was my partner at the very beginning, he's married to one of my sisters named Mary. Mm-hmm. So that's where the Mary comes from. And my mom's name was Henrietta. So that's where the Marietta comes from. Okay. And and yeah, I, I, I'll never change the name of it because the boat really by now has its own identity. That's what it is. It yeah. really does. And and uh, there's no reason, to, you know, to, to, to change its name ever uh, mm-hmm. unless somebody else were to buy it and wants to change it. That would be their business. But but it's going to stay in the family, I think, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a son-in-law who's a senior chief in the United States Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. He actually is the commander at Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. Oh, wow. And he's getting ready to retire in June. And I'm hoping that... Uh, and, and he and my daughter are going to move back to Morro Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm hoping that uh, he'll... T- I have a, a fairly good side business built up with the boat for doing uh, vessel support services, mm-hmm. oil spills, marine mammal protection, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping he'll, he'll pick up that part of that operation. And, and so I, I plan on having the boat around for... And I'm not done fishing. You know, I, I know, think, you keep talking I, like it's well, all over. It, well, it's not all over. <laughs> I think i got another 10 years or so. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the guys in my business, that we, we stick around a long, long time. So. Yeah. Uh, but but hopefully he'll be here and because uh, I, I I you know I've got uh, I got three Labradors that need my attention. <laughs> you do? Do they come out with you? I, I, one does occasionally, but it, it's just fishing by myself. It's too much. Uh, yeah. I got too much. It's like having three little kids on a boat. Yeah, and it's, I, right. Labs are so <laughs> boisterous. So yeah. So anyhow. So it's it's better to leave them home. To be honest totally. with you. Totally. Yeah. Um, isn't it? Isn't there bad luck? Something bad luck with naming a boat or like changing it? What is well, they, that? There's guys that say, you know, change the name of boats, bad luck. But there's a lot of. So I'm not into. At one time in my career, I probably were into some of the bad luck kind of things. You know, it's like mm-hmm. don't take a banana on a boat. Oh yeah! Don't take a banana on a boat. Uh, Don't whistle on a boat. Uh, Makes the wind blow. Don't turn your hatch upside down. It means you won't catch any fish. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Uh, And and uh, and I don't. I at one time there was a few things. It's just easy to blame your bad luck on things. Right, and that's right. what I think, guys. Uh, don't leave on a Friday. I think, I think that was invented by crew members because they wanted to stay and party. Sure. So, you know, so there's just a lot of things like that in the business. And, and uh, probably 20 years ago, I just got to the point where I it just... It, uh, I, I, just, I just quit believing in any of that kind of stuff, especially bananas and things like that. But those yeah. are all... Those are all... Uh, there's... And there's uh, there's hundreds of them. So you want you want some bad luck story? There's one in the fishing I business. I totally want to look them all up now. <laughs> I a, love don't bunch. bring a banana on yeah. the boat. Oh yeah, but yeah we how get, arbitrary the, is that? It is, but it's 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 one of them. You know. Yeah. Whistling when, like I said, whistling it makes the wind blow. Yeah. Uh, things like that. Yeah. It's uh, and there's quite a there's there's a bunch of them running around, but I I I, I haven't paid attention to them for years. Good and for I've, you. I've had a lot of great trips where I left on Fridays, and I've yeah. had a lot of great trips where I've had bananas on the boat. So I've had crummy trips too when I left on Friday. I mean, it's it's, it's just the reality. The of it. Yeah. It's yeah. all the same. Yeah. Um, your name, Tognazzini, yeah. are you Swiss Italian? I'm Swiss Italian, yeah. So okay. uh, my ancestors come from Ticino in Switzerland, yeah. uh, and it borders on Italy. Mm-hmm. And so we have Italian surnames, uh, and we do have some uh, you know, traditions that are, are, are kind of Italian, but we are Swiss. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 uh, and we speak a dialect, but we speak Italian. I don't, but, but, yeah. uh, uh, but we're, you know, I think in this area, if you see that I and I, 
whether it's Biagini or Tognazzini or, um, uh, you know, so it goes many. on and on. It's very indicative of Swiss Italian. Okay. Very indicative. Almost all I and I's I know are all Swiss Italian. Um, Filipponi, would that be one? Is well, that I, is I, that I, 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 no. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's not. not. Yeah. But, you know, Biagini, yeah. uh, uh, Giannini. Tomasini. Yes. I mean, it can go on and on and on. There's, There's so a, yeah, a lot of I and I's. Yeah. Are you and all so, friends? I imagine uh, uh, that no, you all uh, hang out together. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, uh, at the Madonna G- Inn. The Giannini, the, no, Giannini's. Uh, I, I, my son grew up uh, with Peter Giannini, uh, mm. and, and and they were good friends and still uh, good friends to this day. Uh, uh, some of them I know. Some, some of the so there's three actually three separate clans of Tognazzini's in the area that hmm. were and we're not related if you can believe that. What? Like Peter and Paul up in Cayucas, uh, I, I've known. I mean, they're about my age, and yeah. uh, we can go back to about 1770, and and we're not. And it's not because of bad blood. Sometimes families splinter because of something happening, but yeah. there's no. Uh, there's just not. And so, so who knows when people came through Ellis Island? Who who knows how names got. They all sounded the same or something, or several of them yeah. sounded the same. Uh, and there's uh, Togazines in South County, too, that we're not related to. So, How did you uh, all wind up here, though? That's uh, the I, funny I think, thing. Uh, so my ancestors went from Switzerland to Australia to California. Oh. They, they were chasing gold. They were always about 10 or 15 years behind the kind of oh, gold <laughs> Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> uh, and they ended up, so uh, my grandfather ended up in Guadalupe. And actually, there's, mm-hmm. uh, my great-grandparents are buried in Guadalupe Cemetery. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a Togazines street there named after them in Guadalupe. Yeah. Uh, and they had a homestead out at Point Sal. It's uh, from Muscle Point to Point Sal. It's since been uh, purchased by the Land Conservancy. Mm. Uh, Still but, standing, though? Uh, oh, yeah. well, there's, the home's gone. But the oh, property okay. oh, okay. the property was beachfront property, and, and uh, four or five years ago it was sold to the Land mm. Conservancy. Uh, but it was a beautiful piece of property. And, uh, and they were chasing gold. They were even chasing gold out there. Yeah. Now, they all ended up doing agricultural work of some sort. Yeah. Because uh, they just never never did get the Well, that's get the our gold. heritage it, here. It is our heritage, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, and, and so uh, uh, deep roots in the Santa Maria Valley and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. but there's other Togazines down there that we're not related to. In, uh, Jim Togazine has Togazine Beverage Company. Yeah. Not oh, real. wait, I've seen that on the yeah, back you, of a truck. Trucks, yeah, it's yes, Beverage Company. That's not you guys? That's not us, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. I wish it was. Yeah, really. Seriously. <laughs> but it's not us, yeah. At some point, you decided to start a restaurant. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, spent a lot of years fishing. Uh, and uh, we had in, I'll back up just a little bit, in 95, uh, the salmon price, we, we'd come off of the late 80s where the salmon, king salmon price was about three, three and a quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and by mid-90s, it had dropped to a buck and a half. Wait, and because I don't know. Because of, mostly because of imported farm product. But when you say three, three and a quarter. A pound. A pound. So okay. we were selling, so we go out and you, and you catch a king salmon, 10 pound king salmon, he's worth 30, 40 dollars. Yeah. So and that was in the late 80s, 88, 80, 89, like that. So by mid-95, mid that price had dropped in half. Although everything else, all the other expenses had gone up, fuel, everything like that, yeah. it had dropped in half. So a, a $30, $40 fish now was a $20 fish. And you don't know why? Yeah, mostly farmed imports. Because uh. people hadn't figured. So at that time, there was a lot more. Farming of salmon was really getting popular. And there was a lot of imported fish coming in. And mm-hmm. people, and, and farmed salmon, and they were eating it. And they hadn't really distinguished between farmed and wild caught. Yeah, yeah. Was, there was, was no. Early, really, it was just salmon with salmon. It's yeah, a pink, right. It's pink. It's salmon, and 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 and, and, and there's nothing wrong with a, a really uh, sustainably raised farm salmon. It's just not as good as the wild king salmon. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so, so, so by the mid '90s, the price had just gone to the toilet, and uh, we had um, 
we had dabbled at selling a few fish off the boat on and off, uh, albacore season, stuff like that, but no salmon. So it was a Memorial weekend, and I had, oh, 230, 240 fish on the boat. Came in, the price had gone from a buck and a half to a buck and a quarter. Mm. And uh, I, I told my buyer, I said, Man, I, I just, I can't do this. Can I, can I try to sell some off the boat? Mm-hmm. And, of course, he thought it was pretty comical. So I uh, got a hold of one of my brothers and sisters. They called people who called people who called people. And uh, by, so we started on a Friday evening. By Sunday, about midday, uh, I had like 30 fish left to sell. We were selling for two bucks a pound. So the difference, it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but the difference between a buck and a quarter and two bucks. At volume. It's giant. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the buyer at the time came down, and I'll never forget, uh, the son of the buyer came down, and he, d- uh, he says, we'll take all the rest of those, your, your fish now. And I said, I had a line behind the boat, and I said, I, I, I can sell these all at two, two bucks. I said, are you, you going to pay two bucks? No, it's a buck. And I said, well, I can't. So he, oh. so he says, well, you need to come and see us before you go fishing the next week. So the next week, I went and saw the buyer, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to sell off the boat again. And they really kind of were actually threatening you better think about what you're doing. What's going to happen we, when you can't sell all your fish? Oh, because and, and you're going to be out. You're going to be stuck, and, yeah. and we're not going to buy them because you're cutting us out of the mix. Hmm. Um, and so uh, I went fishing. I had another couple hundred fish trip and came in, and, and uh, it, that, the whole thing exploded. And just people started coming. And, uh, and it was kind of when first people were first getting uh, personal computers yeah. and getting emails. You know, think about the mid-90s. Yeah, right. If you it didn't have exciting. your own, own, then maybe you had an email at work. So instead of taking phones, because we tried a phone tree at first. My yeah. kids, they, were, they weren't going for that. And, and uh, they weren't, no one was going to call anybody on a Friday saying I was going to be there Saturday. Right. So we started keeping emails. And we started this email list. And so we just notify people when I would be in and when I'd be selling. That and, is very and, early and, very, to be doing that. But it, it was just out of necessity, not because we knew what we're doing. Now, you know, it's kind of the, <laughs> well, now it's kind of the yuppie thing to, to know you're the producer of your beef or your grapes right. or your milk or your right. bread or your fish. Now it's kind of the in thing. It's normal but, now. But at the time, it wasn't, it really wasn't. And we did it out of necessity. Uh, and it and it it really exploded for us. And um, I got turned into I, I was turned into health. I got turned into anybody and everybody that buyer could think of to turn me into, because it was so successful. And all of a sudden he realized. That, and you were doing it pretty much off the grid, right? Like uh, off and oh, as far as it abso- was all just fly ab- by night. Absolutely. And, and but it caught on. And so uh, I got a. Hmm. Uh, I got I got a issued a cease and desist order by San Luis County Health Department, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I just love they, that you're talking about. Well, this is true, <laughs> and and it really it, it really made me angry uh, because there's no pure way to buy a fish than from the fisher and himself, especially mm-hmm. if he's a, the right guy who takes care of it and stuff. It's a pretty pure way it's to buy. It's as close as but they, fishing. But they yourself. so they got involved. And they issued me a cease and desist order, uh, and so I went and. Uh, uh, I retained uh, Jeff Stein. He's retired now, but I ref- retained Jeff Stein because I was going to take the. T- I was going to take it. I'd l- write me up. Do whatever you're going to do. Yeah. We're going to push forward on it because I didn't think they had that that right. Because on a mm-hmm. sport boat, you go catch your fish, and the guy, the crew members, fillet them on the back part of the deck. Mm-hmm. Health department doesn't get involved at all. So I thought this is no different. I sold you this fish. You own the salmon. Now I'm going to cut it for you. And fillet right, it for you. Right. No charge any way you want. It's your fish. If you want to take the fish up to the parking lot and stomp on it, it's really your business to do with your fish. Yeah. And that's how I felt. So, so anyhow, Jeff uh, uh, paid me a retainer and stuff, and we started kind of getting a game plan together. And uh, Bud Laurent was a supervisor at the time, and mm-hmm. Bud Laurent was a fishing game biologist. And, mm-hmm. and I'd played softball with Bud and stuff, and so I talked to Bud a little bit. Well, we, what we ended up doing instead of taking the ticket is we went to the board of supervisors and asked them to hear the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they are the boss of the health department. Wow. 
Right, right. And and then we but we did our research because uh, selling off the boat's not new in California. There's precedence mm-hmm. uh, down in uh, um, uh, Newport Beach. Mm-hmm. There's a whole dory fleet that is actually a, a state historic monument plaque there that they sell off their boat when they come ashore. Yeah. So it's not anything new. But every health department gets to. Um, uh, interpret and enforce state health law how they see fit. Mm-hmm. And we had a real tough guy, and he was going to stop me from doing it mm-hmm. So at the time. So anyhow, um, uh, Board of Supervisors 5-0 voted, leave, you know, stay out of it. Salmon and Albacore, you shouldn't get involved. They sided with you. Uh, absolutely, oh, cool. yeah. A bunch of fishermen went and testified. Um, matter of fact, there was only one person that testified against it, and it was the fish buyer at the time. And, and, and The guy? Th- yeah. That guy? And, and, he sh- and he showed up. He looked like a 60-year-old version of John Travolta with the gold <laughs> chains and the big uh, peach lapels sticking over his <laughs> beige suit. I mean, he looked the fish buyer part. <laughs> and he was the only one that, that, that testified against it. So anyhow, they, they voted. So the next year, uh, so we, this is really catching on. The next year, I caught some halibut. So I'm selling a few halibut along with us. It was just incidental, but with my salmon. And, yeah. Well, they happened, the health department was up watching me with binoculars, and they took pictures, and they, another cease and desist order because the Board of Supervisors' motion was salmon and albacore. Wow. Wow. What a wonderful <laughs> use of time and money for someone so, to be so, using binoculars. So anyhow, they, uh, so we went back to the Board of Supervisors, and this time they were a little upset because the spirit of the law was fishermen caught, Fish direct to the consumer should they should stay out of it. it's none of their business. Mm-hmm. Their their motion was salmon and albacore didn't include all so they changed the motion and they redid it. Uh, but the health department was going to try to get in on a fine because they were up. They were I think they got they got beat at their own game uh, and they and uh, and so after that we got together with the health department we uh, put in some voluntary guidelines like uh, you know gloved gloved hands no smoking on the deck no pets covered. Uh, uh, disposable uh, or uh, plastic sacks, ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we put in a, a, a probably ten or twelve really simple guidelines, not law, but mm-hmm. guidelines that fishermen in Morro Bay would follow mm-hmm. uh, voluntarily, and they were happy, we were happy, and we just kept moving ahead. And 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 it ex- it, like I said, it exploded. Uh, uh, and and it, so we'll fast forward to two thousand four. Mm-hmm. We're still doing this, and a restaurant came up for sale in Morro Bay, and I, I I'm not. Uh, I, there's a lot of other great fishermen that catch a lot of great fish, mm-hmm. and there's no reason not to uh, marry them with the consumer. And so that's kind of kind of we started the restaurant. We bought the restaurant. We closed it up for four months. Um, and every table, if you come in the restaurant, there every table is dedicated typically to a fisherman that I fish around, mm-hmm. and because and we promote them that way because there's guys that catch great fish and there's fish that I don't catch uh, you know I, I don't have a swordfish permit so we buy swordfish from swordfish from it. I don't have a Dungeness crab permit so we buy so there's a lot of and guys and you that, build these guys up you promote you them promote them yeah because it's, it's it's that connection of mm. of the of the the producer of what you're going to eat and, mm-hmm. and that so it kind of it just kind of evolved and we just happened to be in that cusp when that, that's all going on, and not because we planned it, but it was out of necessity. Yeah. And that's one of those things where we got lucky. Got lucky. Oh, this is, this is the thing to do. Every, everybody, everybody yeah. like I said, they know it. their vintner. They know, their, right. they, they, they know everybody that produces, or, or and some of it's smoke and mirrors. But, but, uh, well, some but, of it is, yeah, right. A little bit. So, but anyhow, so that's how we got caught up into it, and, and the restaurant took off. Um, uh, it, it had slow beginnings, but we we never weren't able to make payroll, and which is a blessing. That's fantastic. Uh, and, That's so hard to pull uh, off, especially because we're not restaurant people. Well, right, and you've got this whole other business. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm still fishing. Yeah. Uh, so um, a couple years into it, the fish market behind us uh, 
uh, they, we'd seen three different tenants come and go there, and they were struggling with it. And, and the city came to us and made us a, a phenomenal offer on buying that the fish market out and back, patio mm-hmm. dining. So we thought it was a great combination. Bought it, and uh, so we've had it uh, 14 years, our main restaurant 16 years, going on 17. And, and uh, uh, you know, we're, we're real proud to be one of the few places, a few restaurants in California that has its own fish market. That's and, incredible. And that is a, a really cool thing to have, you know. Uh, yeah, so. so now let me ask you kind of like the promotional question. So what are some of the hot things that you sell there? I mean, is it only fish and chips or do you have? So so the main re- so the main restaurant, we do a, a really nice dinner hour. Uh, you know, it's not just fish and chips. We have a fry side that we use in both the, the restaurant and, mm-hmm. in, in the, and in the fish market. Fish market is patio dining, real casual. You know, they take your name, call your name out. Uh, things are served on paper with plastic and stuff like yeah, that. Uh, yeah. Wine's poured in a plastic cup. It's a real casual kind of great, great, environment but it's just a very casual it's a nice option yeah, yeah the, the the dinner house you know, what i like to tell people is you know we have five-star fish with three-star dining because mm. we're you know we're paper napkins and you can come in there and levi's or you can come in there in a tie it doesn't matter we're really casual um uh, a, a real good friend of mine uh, jeff anderson who, who used to have the galley restaurant mm-hmm. uh, a big restaurant family in morbay uh, just tremendous people um and they still own it. They lease it to another guy now but and they run the the the, uh, mot- the hotel up above it but jeff had told me uh quite a few years ago that we became the the new galley which was quite a compliment from a family that had a phenomenal restaurant so we're kind of just casual but really good fish yeah uh we're not perfect we we, we make errors uh but you know our friends tell us when we get it wrong we fix it mm-hmm. uh, our enemies just go talk about us so. <laughs> you have none i'm sure oh i have a few <laughs> none at all um so are you the guy that someone calls when you know so and so is sick and can't come in uh yeah, my son so my son uh so my son uh, mark uh who's educated locally, actually has a master's degree from Cal Poly in marine science. He does, yeah. He's just stayed, stayed he's been helping run the family business for about 10 years. He likes living in the area. Yeah. And so he's either, you know, uh, with a master's degree, he's either going to have to teach or maybe move out of the area. And he loves living here. He loves raising his family here. I think it's a good fit, actually. So he, so he, he, he takes care of a lot, and a lot of staff problems like that. I do get the calls, but he's really more in charge of that. Uh, uh, and then I have a, a, a real great assistant general manager, uh, Erica Vega, who's outstanding. Um, she's been with me about seven or eight years, and, mm, and uh, so we have really good we have really good management there. And, yeah. and uh, uh, we do have some turnover to the front of the house, but my, back of the house, uh, you know, my my so we've been open going into our seventeenth year. April first will be going into our seventeenth year. Um, my lead. Chef in the kitchen has been with me 17 years. Oh, my sous chef has been with me 17 years. Um, uh, we've had the fish market 14 years. My lead over there, who's the boss over there, he's been with me 14 years. Yeah. So we really have some great strength in the leadership at Dockside. Yeah. Uh, and we have lo- great longevity in staff, and, and, uh, and that gives you some real good consistency. And, uh, mm. uh, and, and they, uh, not to sound, they become family. They become yeah. more than just staff members or employees they become family and and uh and you go to the quinceaneras and you and you do, you do the baptisms and you do it's it's a it's a it's a, a very cool experience that we have uh and we have uh just tremendous tremendous uh, uh people working for us yeah. i know you'll be very humble about this but i'm curious why do you think they've stayed 17 years i think we treat 14? them well so one of the things we did and we're real proud of it uh 16 years ago uh there was no lead Latino cooks in Morro Bay. There was a lot of Latinos cooking, but they were all other nationalities that were the leads, that were the bosses. We gave the first job to a lead Latino, and I've never had anything but a lead Latino. Mm-hmm. And in the hospitality business in Morro Bay, and I can't speak the rest of California, I can tell you uh, 
you're not going to get a meal unless it's for a Latino. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality of it, and yeah. and uh, and they're tremendous at what they do. Uh, the other thing, uh, we probably have more lead Latina women cooks than any other restaurant in Morbay right at this on. day, which mm-hmm. is very very cool. Um, so so you, uh, let them step the plate, and some guys swung the bat hard, and and uh, they've been with us the whole time, and 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 when you have that kind of stability in the back of the house. Uh, it really makes it nice. Yes, it's uh, everything. Yeah, the front of the house. Our, our counter people over the dockside. We do go through um, younger people there, uh, but a lot of them are, are stepping through life. Uh, they're going to go on to Cal Fire, or they're, mm-hmm. they're just going to Cal Poly. Work. So you, you do get that turnover. Uh, the really good ones, you want them to. You don't want them to stick around. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a, a state forestry called me a, a, on a reference for a young man that worked for me uh, out of the valley uh, the other day and. And he said, well, is he rehirable at the very end of the... And I said, well, you know, he's really not because he has so much more to give to the world than working for me at Dockside. <laughs> if you Aww. know, and, and so, and that's, a, and that's what you want to see out of some of the younger people, yeah. uh, especially kids going to school and stuff. Yeah. And, and, and kids that are going to school, we have really good luck with because they, they typically have visions. They need to work. Yeah. Uh, and, and we are a stepping stone and we do lose them, but that's, that's is part of life and it's, it's, it's okay. For sure it yeah. is. Tell me, um, I've, I, since you said that you've had some bad days, I want to hear maybe your worst day out uh, on the ocean uh-huh uh t- july oh wow you know the date july 5th i think 2005 what yeah I, I put the bonnie mary on the rocks at point sir oh my fell asleep Lord. at the wheel and uh put her hard aground uh i was um uh running up and down the coast selling fish off the boat and that year the fish were all up above so i'd have to fish at half moon bay or san francisco mm-hmm. and then i'd run home to sell off the boat on the weekends because once you build up that clientele of people coming to see you you don't want to disappoint them no you don't want to run out oh and so so i was running up and down the beach and i delivered i think it was a sunday actually and i, I delivered in moral bay and i was running back up the beach and of course you try to cut all the corners as much as you can because it, it you can get up the coast quicker that way and, and it's a long transit out in front of san francisco to moral bay it's a 24-hour transit for a boat mm-hmm. A commercial mm-hmm. fishing boat and so it's a long transit and so you're running day and night and stuff and and i had a watch alarm set a watch alarm is a, a item that you set for a, a predetermined amount of time and it will go off if you fall asleep and, and oh. it startles you awake mm-hmm. well i'd set the watch alarm and i was cutting the coast and, and i fell asleep and about probably 10 seconds 15 seconds after i hit one ground the watch alarm goes off i just did oh. i i should have probably set it for 15 minutes instead of 20 or whatever i did at the time and so i went uh, hard to ground um I have a really tough boat, and it has all the safety stuff on it. I have lots of pumps. Um, uh, I, I knew I couldn't lay there and roll around on the rocks. Mm-mm. And so I uh, powered it. I put it in reverse, and I powered it off. Uh, uh, the propeller, the keel had gotten, the, the shoe, the rudder shoe had gotten shoved up into the propeller. I didn't know at the time, but I was able to clear it away with the, with the power of the engine. And I got just far enough away from the rocks, I threw the anchor, mm-hmm. uh, went down and made sure all the pumps were keeping up. And uh, I was kind of against the bluffs there. Uh, and in 205, you know, cell traffic wasn't, I couldn't get out on the radio, hmm. but I could get out on my cell phone. I don't know why. And so anyhow, I uh, called the Coast Guard. They finally got me up on the radio. And actually, uh, our, my connection with the guys in Morro Bay, it was Ch- Chief, uh, Chief Shannon at the time. He actually was going to come all the way from Morro Bay with one of the boats to get me. Oh. Uh, yeah. uh, but he... Uh, but anyhow, the uh, Coast Guard out of Monterey came and got me. Mm. And they towed me to uh, Monterey, and they hauled me out there. And 
uh, about 30 days later and $25,000 poorer, no. I was back fishing. <laughs> <laughs> right back up there. But, but, and you know, it was, yeah, I, I did it. I did it to myself and, and I, I'm not the only guy who's ever done that. Uh, of course not. Uh, and it's kind of part of the business. Uh, uh, it's it's you just got to be careful and, and it does it does happen i uh and you start the thing is you start telling talking with guys and almost everybody has some story of sure. some kind of close call or something went on or they did this and they shouldn't have done that and and uh um and and that, that so that was probably my scariest uh moment uh, over a period of time um yeah, uh with the bonnie marietta and it and was all alone uh, oh yeah all i fish all alone i've had some other scary times uh offshore and stuff like that uh but uh, but things that I, that I can control and stuff. I, I had some other uh, bad experiences offshore, but not, nothing. Uh, well, a couple like that. But but uh, we've been in weather that you have to shut down and let the boat drift. So in other words, old timers will tell you that that uh, in, in, when you're in weather that is is so severe you really can't run go under power safely. That you just kick the boat out of gear and and let let if the boat's a sound boat, let it take care of itself. And I, I've been in that situation a couple of times where we just kicked her out of gear and let her let her ride. That's a real uh, uh, surrender moment. It is, is it and, not? And, and, and and actually the one the one night in particular, I was running. Uh, Bonnie Marietta is a thirty eight footer, uh, a very stout, very cable uh, fishing boat. But I was running with a seventy foot drager that night, and we were coming in, and, and it was a guy named Steve Yeoman, and. and I told myself, I, I can't do this. I'm ta- I, the waves were hitting the stern of the boat and coming up over, and green water was coming down the front of the cabin, and we were kind of quartering down swell. And he says, well, I'll stay with you. And so we, uh, uh, I shut it off, and, and I actually laid down for a couple hours because the boat, kind of so much wind and swell, kind of kicked the boat down swell, and, mm-hmm. and I slept for a couple hours. Got up in the morning, and, and daylight always makes things better. And mm-hmm. so it was a much better day the next day. At least I thought it was, and we ran on in. But we had gone. We had been 238 miles offshore. I, I should have never been. I should have never been where I was. Uh, it was pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so. I'm looking at you like your mother or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, you were. Too as you get <laughs> as you get older, you, when you're young, you know you're a lot more invincible than when you're older. When you're older, your mortality is much closer. Your your end of your life becomes much closer, and you realize, God. I got lucky there. I got. I shouldn't have done that. You know, we used to run the bar in Morbay all the time. You know, the bar's uh, entrance to Morbay breaks like a big swell, and you ride it like a surfboard. And it, when we were young, we used to do it a lot. And then a couple really great uh, fishermen got it there in the bar. One of them, Al French, who lost his life there, and, and his son. I actually was on the boat who I graduated high school with, John French, mm-hmm. and uh, and Al was a, as good as Mariner and as. Uh, safe and great boat operators you ever know and when a guy like that gets it you know that it's just a matter of time if you're not careful so yeah. uh so th- those things all do happen and so and so i we, we and you get you get a little smarter and and you get a little bit more affluent as a fisherman uh, you don't have to push it as hard mm-hmm. so if the weather's really tough when you're young uh, you've got that big giant boat payment you better get going right. uh, as you get older you get things paid for and you get a little more so you don't have to push it quite as hard and, and take as many chances as when you're younger yeah yeah young and dumb and and, and old and smart, I guess, I hope. So. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that we're all on that trajectory, honestly. Yeah. Okay, tell me, this is my last question. If you were going to um, have your last meal, mm-hmm. what would it be? Uh, as far as fish? It would be vermilion. No, 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 as far uh, as anything. Um, uh, if you're sick of fish? Yeah, if I'm sick of fish, it would be a great burger or a mm-hmm. great taco. Mm-hmm. That's what it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it was going to be fish, it would be vermilion rockfish. 
What is it? It remains one of uh, 60 different varieties of rockfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's often sold by some places red snapper, but you know, there's no, there's no red snapper on the West Coast of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets sold in a lot of restaurants, but it's just because it's easy to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but vermilion rockfish is just one of 60 different varieties, and it's, a really, uh, it's one of the best of that variety of rockfish, real mild, firm, everything about it. So it would be vermilion rockfish would be my fish, and then it would probably be a really good burger. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just like that's that's pretty simple. I know, but I'm With pretty simple. With a six simple. pack of Coors and maybe a slice no, of salami. <laughs> actually, actually, lately I've been drinking uh, Captain Fatty's out of Santa Barbara. Captain Fatty's is a oh. is a little microbrewery out of Santa Barbara. I'm not giving them. A, I don't have nothing. No, 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 you can but, say whatever you but, want. But uh, they have a, a a couple of great beers, and and we really? got it. In, we have it in the at Dockside now. It's it's amazing. So yeah, before it would have been Corona or Pacifico, but th- I've been uh, enjoying this Captain Fatty's Pilsner. Uh, yeah. It's a good one. So. You're speaking my language. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to come up, and I'm going to have uh, Captain Fatty's at your place. Okay, there you go. Mark, You're thank welcome. you yeah. so much for thank coming. Thank you very in. much. Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. Thanks again for listening to this podcast, and be sure to support the good folks who join me each episode. To learn more about any of my guests, visit letsgetconsumed.com. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis. 